Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of SFF Yeah! is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by resident Velasa reader Liberty Hardy from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hits stores, or find your next favorite read. Go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 51, and we are recording on April 5th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today we're talking about con artists and thieves. So much fun. There's so, so many good books out there with this theme. Yeah. Although I had a well, we'll talk about it later. I have a hard time with one of our particular genres. So. Yeah, yeah, we will talk about that because I think I had the same problem. Mm-hmm. But you have a shout out to do. I do. I wanted to give a shout out to SFF yeah fan Christelle. I just wanted to say I hope you have a great Pilates class. And she will know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but she was very nice and she gave us some nice comments and it made my day. You too can get a shout out if you leave us nice comments on social media. <laughs> just, um, saying. just saying. <laughs> um, a, before, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say we've got something fun to announce as well. But you we can go do. Ahead. We have a new Kidlit podcast called Kidlit These Days, which is for all of you who maybe love kids books like picture books and middle grade books yourselves or are gifting them or are a teacher or an educator, any slash all of the above. It's hosted by Karina Yan Glazer, who is a book writer contributor and now a New York Times bestselling chapter book author. Yes. And Matthew Winner, who is a children's librarian and also has a podcast of his own. So he's very good at this. And it's super fun. There are two episodes out now. It comes out on Thursdays, every other Thursday. And again, that is called Kidlit These Days. You can go to bookriot.com slash listen to find all the details. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all of those places. So yes, we're very excited to have them now broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> I will listen to that show. I'm secretly going to hope for some children's books that are SFF related. Um, I was I was going to say we should send in like a sub, a theme submission idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just slide it under their door. <laughs> you know, drop it into the inbox. So before we talk about SFF news, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is... The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling. The title itself sounds really intriguing. So, desperate to earn money to get off her backwater planet, Jyra lied her way onto this solo cave expedition. 
But the fat paycheck should have meant a skilled surface team to keep her safe. Instead, she got M. M controls Jara's body with drugs and withholds critical information. She knows about Jara's lies and uses them as a leash. As Jara descends, inconsistencies begin to make her paranoid. Missing supplies, unexpected route changes, and shifts in M's motivations. Jaira must overcome more than just dangerous terrain and the tunneler, which calls underground home if she wants to make it out alive. So if you love sci-fi horror, this debut might be the book for you. Um, and in a starred review, Publishers Weekly said, this claustrophobic horror-leaning tour de force is highly recommended for fans of Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation and Andy Weir's The Martian, which we know many of you probably have read and enjoyed. Um, lots of claustrophobic descriptions, and this is a story tightly focused on two women, each hiding secrets from the other and desperate for answers. Sounds very thrilling indeed. So again, if that sounds interesting to you, you should pick up The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starling. Thanks so much for sponsoring today's episode. All right. Oh, I know what I want to start with news-wise. Mm-hmm. I want to start with talking about the Hugo Award finalists for 2019. Yes, the big news. It's such a good list. Oh, it's so good. Agreed. I was very excited to see a lot of favorites of my own on here. And uh, since we talked about it on the podcast previously, we we are not a finalist <laughs> for, for Best Fan Cast. That's fine. That's fine. Next year. <laughs> Next year. I was going to say, we need like a little more time under our belt, maybe like, you know, build up some steam. But I'm super excited to see that the Skiffy and Fanti show yes. is a finalist because one of our Book Riot contributors, Alex, Wells is involved with that show, and one of our newest sound sound engineers, Jen Zink, is also uh, that she works on that show regularly. Um, is a producer, so that is super exciting to have folks in our in our little bookish ecosystem doing well. And uh, there are a lot of other great books on here. I'm not going to go through all of the categories and mm-hmm. all of the books, but I will give you all of the best novel finalists. It's The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Cowell, which I know a ton of people at Book Riot loved. Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky Chambers, no surprises there. Revenant Gun by Yoon Ha Lee, also a personal favorite. Space Opera by Catherine M. Valenti, which I know you loved, Sharifa. Yes, I did. Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, which I thought was great. And Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, which I also thought was great. Mm -hmm. It's a really good list. It's a really good list. I know it's difficult, at least for me, it's difficult to choose one. But I think that I would be between... Oh boy, maybe I shouldn't even challenge myself to choose. (laughs) I don't want to choose favorites. There are so many good... There are so many good authors and so many good books on this list. I also really loved Spinning Silver. That was my favorite, one of my favorites from last year, as well as Space Opera, Trail of Lightning. I'm just reading this whole list. This is ridiculous. I can't choose. (laughs) I would not want to be in charge of choosing. I don't know how you would pick. It's a lot. Uh, I would also like to shout out two of my favorite novellas. Well, three, actually, that made the best novella category. The Black God's Drums by P. Jelly Clark, which Mm -hmm. I loved. (laughs) The Tea Master and the Detective by Elliot de Bedard, which I also am a huge fan of. And Artificial Condition by Martha Wells, which I haven't read that one yet, but it's part of the Murderbot series, which I do love. I mean, they're all good, though, 
Beneath the Sugar Sky by Shannon McGuire is also in there. there. Yeah. Right. And Binti, The Night Masquerade by Nettie Okorafor. And now I've just read you the whole category. So basically. (laughs) God's Monsters and the Lucky Peach is one I still have to read. I have like the the cover of the book very vividly in my head. And I remember saying I want to read it, but I haven't gotten around to reading it yet. It's by Kelly Robson. Yeah, that also is on my TBR. So anyway, you should check out the full list. There's lots of great reading on it. We are big fans of many, mm-hmm. many, many of these things. And yeah, I'm I'm delighted to see such a great list this year. And again, like so many, so many women, it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm I just love this the trajectory of these awards right now because there's so much good work coming out from so yeah. many different people. And I think it's getting better and better. And I just hope to see more of that in terms of like both diversity and representing uh, more types of people in general. Yeah. And this is a pretty diverse list. You've got folks from the queer community. You've got folks of color. You've got women, like you said. I mean, it's a very, it's a very nice list. Yeah. So definitely check it out. I'm going to be, of course, as usual, Growing my TBR, which is impossible with this Hugo (laughs) Award finalist list. Okay, um, I want to talk about, I don't know how interested you are in this, Jen, but I want to talk about Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, which has just uh, cast a few actors in the adaptation. And so the big headline was that John Cho was cast and three more as well. So there's John Cho, who's going to be Spike Spiegel, the main character. Um, very cool, very charismatic character. And there is a Mustafa Shakir, who is going to be Jet Black. Uh, Mustafa was in Marvel's Luke Cage. And Daniela Pineda is going to be Faye Valentine. They are all fantastic characters. They all have their different uh mannerisms and personalities but i literally ran to this list because i wanted to find out who is going to play ein the corgi (laughs) and radical ed my two favorite characters certainly not like super main characters but they are part of the main band of you know these these space sort of villain-esque characters but also really cool space travelers um and i don't know like they haven't they haven't cast them yet but they are going to be in it i don't know about the corky but um (laughs) (laughs) but ed is going to be in it so that was good news for me but i'm just really excited i don't think i had i must have missed the news about Netflix's Cowboy Bebop or maybe it just was you know something I saw in passing and didn't pay much attention to but this was actually the first time I had heard about this live action adaptation um so these are bounty hunters and it kind of goes with our theme today uh they're a bunch of bounty hunters in space and they get into all sorts of adventures and hijinks uh and I used to love this show it's been a really long time since I watched it but I used to love it a lot in high school. I loved anime in general. And I just think it's a really cool story. Very sci-fi, very funny, as well as 
it has some dramatic moments, which I really enjoyed those particular episodes. But any fans of Cowboy Bebop, whether it was ages ago um, or recently, I think will be interested in this news. Yeah, I am sadly ignorant in when it comes to anime. I just haven't seen that much, but I am very aware of Cowboy Bebop. When I was in college, it was the anime that all of my friends were obsessed with. And I actually kind of don't know how I escaped without having seen any. Like, it seems <laughs> like somebody would have locked me in a dorm room with the series and been like, don't come out until you're done. Um, because that was the kind of friends that I have. But I, yeah, somehow that didn't happen. And so I've never seen any of it. But I w- I'm very aware of it. And I saw the internet lose its collective mind over this casting which i don't blame i mean john Cho is amazing so i'm here for any and everything that he's working on and i will definitely watch this i i wonder i mean i'm sure purists will have feelings about watching this if you haven't seen the original anime but i can see at least from where i'm sitting this is likely to be a gateway into the anime for people like me maybe who are aware of it but like haven't seen it and now you know know one of these actors and maybe are interested enough to tune in i think i'm going to have to rewatch the whole thing because again it's been a really long time and it'll be interesting to see what the differences are going to be in terms of like the actual show and this this adaptation but i remember i watched it completely out of order so maybe it's also going to be a good opportunity to just like actually watch it from the beginning to the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, it's going to, it says that it's it's going to start streaming later in 2019. It doesn't give uh, a month yet, but look out for it. I will definitely be looking out for that. Cool. Okay, I think we have time for one more. Yeah. And I would like to talk about my demise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew it. Amazon is finally going to break me. They have optioned or not optioned. They are producing a series, an adaptation of wild seed by Octavia Butler, which I, and, and on top of that, Nettie Okorafor and Kenyan filmmaker Wanuri Kahiu have agreed to write the project. And like, this is it. This is Mm -hmm. it. It's all over. Like my resistance to Amazon's sci-fi fantasy adaptations it, it, it will now no longer work i cannot i it, i i can't like i, I don't no. know how anybody could who's an octavia butler fan could resist this there's just no way yeah i the, immediately when i saw this story i was i thought about you and i was <laughs> like oh jen what are you gonna do and i couldn't i just couldn't imagine a world where you didn't get a chance to watch it so no, no. I, i'm glad but i'm sorry i wish it was on a different uh, platform just for you uh, and for a lot of other people who probably feel the same way. So I appreciate that. Thank you for your sympathy. I, it's and it's it's Juvie production is led by Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. So like it is a dream team producing and writing this. Like you could not have a better collection of people, I don't think. No. And the the Pattern Master series is so interesting. It follows two immortals, uh, Anyan Wu, who is a shapeshifter, and then Doro, who also has special powers. And they have such a complicated sort of destructive... <sighs> 
but also like push me pull you relationship and so many intense things happen i just can't even imagine how they're gonna bring this to the screen i i have full confidence that it's possible i just like i wouldn't know where to start if it was me but i think this team could do an amazing job yeah i read the first book in the series um and I was very torn up by it. Like there oh, yeah. so many emotions you will get from this. And it'll be interesting to see how that's translated into this adaptation. There were a lot of really brutal moments too. Yes, yes, so, yeah. Just Doro's, Right. Doro is absolutely an abusive character mm-hmm. and 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 Octavia Butler never pulls any punches. So it will be interesting to see how they decide to bring this to life. And it's it's a four book series and the first book alone could be certainly a whole season mm-hmm. if not more. So I'm curious I also am curious about the pacing like how they will decide to which bits they will pull out and which they will decide to skip and you know all of that stuff. I'm so I'm so curious. I'm so curious. Me too. So. But Nettie yeah. Horfor is really I think she is really good with these really complex stories mm-hmm. and being able to kind of you know get to their essence. She yeah. writes so many great novellas and there's so many, there's so much good stuff in those short books. And it's true. You make a good point. She is so good at short form and pacing. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm, I'm with you. I feel like this is in really great hands and I'm for once I'm way more excited than trepidatious yeah. about <laughs> an adaptation of a work by like one of my all time favorite authors. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and who knows? I mean, we'll have to wait for a while. They haven't started writing yet. Like these, yeah. you know, folks have just recently been brought onto the project. So I have a little time to, to you know, feel like I still can have moral scruples. For yes. a while. <laughs> enjoy just, it. I'm going to enjoy it while I have them. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for our news. Do you want to tell us about our next sponsor? I would love to. It is Voices by David Elliott, and he is a best-selling author who has decided to bring Joan of Arc to life. So Voices explores how Joan of Arc changed the course of history and remains a figure of fascination centuries after her extraordinary life and death. Elliott is giving Joan of Arc the Hamilton treatment in this evocative novel. It is told in verse and explores issues that are important to today like freedom of gender expression, activism, religious tolerance. And if you were a fan of The Poet X or Bloodwater Paint, both of which were great prose novels that came out recently, or excuse me, novels in verse that came out recently, uh, you will definitely want to check this out. Uh, Poetry is an interesting medium, I think, for bringing these stories to modern language and modern readers. So, And it also received four starred reviews, which is awesome. So again, that is Voices by David Elliott, and this ad spot is sponsored by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Teen. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. So, Jen, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the difficulties in finding certain books within the Thieves and Con Artists theme? There are just not that many space ones. You're right. 
You're right. Is what I found. It, and it's not that there aren't any, but there weren't as many as I wanted to have a good selection to choose from. Yeah, I had the same problem. Like my fantasy pick came like the minute we yes. chose this theme. And then I was like, yeah, sci-fi. Uh what have I read that fits this? And for some reason, in my mind, I would think like thieves and con artists, like you could put them in almost any story. So I was kind of surprised when I was like Googling this. And first of all, I noticed a few things when I was Googling this, like so many of the recommendations online were a lot of like way older books yes. and they were like all white men. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say not to put a too fine a point on it, but they exist, but they are all by white men as far as I could tell. Yeah. And I mean, there's one or two by white women, which is fine, but it's, I mean, we want, I, we both make a real effort to read diversely mm-hmm. and to recommend diversely on this show. And I just, it was a hard one. This was a hard one. Yeah. I mean, it does show how, much room for improvement publishing has in all sorts of areas in science fiction and fantasy. And it occurs to me now, clearly neither of us have read it yet, but Solo, which is by Daniel Jose Older, would totally count. Oh, wow. Right? Because Han is a smuggler. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And that did not, literally did not occur to either of us clearly until this very moment. Why did that not come up in my searches? (laughs) I I don't know. It didn't come up in mine either. It did not come up in mine. Uh, But we persevered, and I feel... (laughs) been looking at the agenda. I feel good about our picks. I do too. So I guess we should go onward and I'm going to talk about my fantasy pick first. So my fantasy pick is Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. Again, this is the one that just came to me the minute we thought of this. Um, Maybe you've heard of her. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about this book immediately, probably because as we recently reported Netflix has grabbed this book and Shadow and Bone for an eight-part series. And I read Six of Crows fairly recently. Uh, this is like the height of fantasy heist novels. And I love a good heist novel. Um, it's full of the, you know, the intrigue, the double crosses, thievery, and con artistry you expect from a heist story. And it's all told with uh, Leigh Bartugo's signature prose and really great world building. So the story is told from uh, the multiple perspectives of this band of outsiders coming from all walks of life, really, and mostly from like the shadows and the underbelly of this place called the city called Ketterdam, which feels kind of like the grimiest of gambling towns. It's sort of a Las Vegas. I'm sure it was based on some actual place or maybe an amalgam of places, but I didn't have time to like look up whether she mentioned it anywhere. Um, But this place is run by gangs and criminal organizations. And so you have Kaz, who's this hardened uh, resident of Ketterdam, and he's the leader of one such gang, which is called the Dregs. And he's the sort of person who will take any job. His nickname is Dirty Hands, which I really, I just thought that was great. Um, He's very charismatic, uh, but also very deeply flawed. So if you like those really deeply flawed characters with a lot of skeletons in the closet, uh, this might be your jam. 
he keeps everything really close to the vest. So you don't really, it's hard to figure out what's going on with him and why he is a certain way, but he gathers this crew of five really incongruous people to take on this big heist. And as with many heists, these people accept the challenge because it's going to mean freedom. Like it's high risk, but the payout is huge. Uh, they're all trying to get freedom from one thing or another, whether it's payment of debts or escape from something or some sort of closure. But each of these people, uh, Kaz included, brings their baggage on this mission and into each other's company. And of course, baggage makes for a great story fodder. So this is a really slow build book, I should say. Not necessarily in terms of action. There's plenty of that. But in terms of character development, like you learn about each character over the course of time, but you definitely don't get it all on the table right away. Like there's a a long span of time where you have to learn about like these people's backstories, uh, which are really important to the story at present. And they each have specific strengths that Kaz clued in on and that have the potential to help them succeed in this big heist. But they also have these major weaknesses and conflicts, even amongst each other. And so one of the things I really liked about this book was the shifting perspective. It was really effective, I think, because there's so much going on with each backstory that you kind of need each of their perspectives and the way they handle the events in the story has something to do with like why they're there and what happened to them in their past. And it was also fun to get one character's side of the story and then learn how another character perceived it sometimes entirely differently. And, you know, there's magic, there's a sea voyage, there's a prison break, an ice court, and there's, of course, some simmering romance and some sexual tension going on. And there's just so much to visually digest and to experience, like, on this really visceral level, which is something I love about Leigh Bardugo's writing. I think that it's very visceral. Uh, So I think if you like River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey, but you're in the mood for something really dark, I think you'd enjoy Six of Crows. And as with the Grishaverse books, this one is gloomy and atmospheric. So it's definitely one of those, I don't know if you're in a certain mood, Uh, this is a great book for fitting that if it's a rainy day, I guess. Um, And it's also really funny. Uh, I didn't really think of this book as YA the way I did with Shadow and Bone. I don't know why that was. I looked it up and it is categorized as YA, but I guess if you're looking for some, a sort of crossover YA slash adult book, this is a really good option. Um, So yeah, again, that was Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo, which is the first book in a duology with a maybe third book that hasn't actually been written. So I don't know if that's (laughs) ever coming, but yeah. Question mark. Yes, big question mark. Yeah, I also thought of my fantasy pick immediately, and it is The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty, which is the first in the Devabad trilogy. The first two books are out. They both end on mega cliffhangers. Do not pick that, um, them up yet if you are sensitive to that. But they're so much fun, and Nari is such a... She is literally a con artist. She's amazing. She The story takes place in... 18th century Cairo 
And she goes around doing like palm readings and healings, but and pretending that she has these mystical powers, but it's all tricks and sleight of hand. And, you know, she like her goal is just to swindle all of the Ottoman nobles out of their money. And she's actually saving up because she wants to go to like she wants to become a doctor and a healer in in not in a supernatural sense, in a literal like go study medicine. And um, so she's saving up for that. And one day when she's doing one of her quote-unquote fake spiritual supernatural healings, she accidentally summons a djinn, whoops, and <laughs> finds out that, you know, magic is real, she has some, and she gets dragged off on this epic journey to the city of the djinn, which is in intense political upheaval, and she gets sucked right into that. Uh, she is an orphan and doesn't know much about her parentage, and that turns out to be a very pivotal plot point. I will not tell you too much more about the actual plot of these books because they're so much fun and Nari is such a great narrator and you get to learn all of these things when she does which is very enjoyable and I will just say that there's also so lush and detailed and you get so immersed in this world it's so beautifully built it just like you feel like you're there you can see the streets you can smell the smells you can you know weave around with her and you get to interact with this amazing cast of characters I loved a lot of the characters I also hated some of them <laughs> that's good. wanted to you know reach into the pages of the book and just strangle them oh uh, so it's very immersive as I was saying you're going to get sucked right into it <laughs> and it is a story obviously it's a fantasy inspired by things like you know the thousand and one nights um, and uh, Islamic folklore and you, we just don't see enough of that so it's really delightful to have something like this to open that door and to dive into and and she is she's such a good thief and a con woman and you see her moving through all of these very fraught situations and she's just sort of navigating by gut instinct and her street skills which puts her in interesting places is how i will say that <laughs> does not always go well but she always lands somewhere interesting uh so again that's the city of brass which is the first in the devabad trilogy by s.a chakraborty I love the creative non-spoiler phrasing. It's always great. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's hard, too, because there's two books out now, and it's I, mean, I have to remember what happened in one versus the other and not to spoil anything. It's all very complicated. It is, but you did a great job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, on to the complicated science fiction <laughs> picks. <laughs> so my science fiction pick is Zero Sum Game. By S.L. Huang. Love that book. Yes. And I'm glad because I actually read it for this because I, I couldn't think of anything for myself. So it made me explore this book. Uh, so, yeah, when I was looking for uh, a science fiction pick for this theme, I ended up reading a bunch of reviews. This is not something I normally do, read a bunch of reviews about a book I'm going to read. But I just wanted to make sure I was getting into something I could read really quickly and really enjoy. Um, so I read a bunch of reviews that liken this story to a blockbuster action movie. Yes. Yeah. Not wrong. Exactly <laughs> the sort of thing I was in the mood for. They were not wrong at all. Like, like you said, they were not wrong at all. It's so good. Uh, so first of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about the author, uh, just to emphasize how perfect she is to write this story about a mathematics genius slash mercenary 
Because Wong was a math major at MIT and she became a stunt woman. Like, I was amazed by her story alone. It was so cool to read that about her and then to go into this book. Um, It's probably the coolest thing I've learned about an author so far this year. And you can really tell that she has expertise in both math and kicking butt uh, when you read this book. So the story... The events are told from the perspective of Cass Russell, who's this mercenary who gets in deep with this conspiracy and a literal mastermind whose motives are really hard to parse, especially in the beginning. So Cass is generally a fairly ruthless person. And I saw a lot of this back and forth about like, oh, she's so unlikable. And a lot of these things I was reading about her were from a while back. And now I'm really curious to find how how readers today would respond to her because I feel like we get a lot more characters like Cass now. And these are characters I really enjoy reading about. So Cass is the sort of mercenary you'd hire to execute any extraction without wasting much thought on things like feelings or morals. (laughs) Yeah. And she works with an even more ruthless individual who has an unusual connection to Cass. So Rio is written as this sort of sociopathic, almost mythical individual who strikes fear into the hearts of anyone who hears his name. Uh, Now, I'll grant you, this isn't your typical thievery con artist story, but I would argue that the villain in this story, which doesn't necessarily have any heroes per se, uh, the villain puts the ultimate con or pulls the ultimate con of literally getting into people's brains and convincing them of untruths, like sending them in them in wrong directions and against people they would either never go up against or have no reason to go up against. And these are really long grifts with disastrous consequences. And Cass finds herself victim of this sort of mental or mind parasite. And when a job ends up going bad and leaves her looking for answers, she's forced to team up, team up with this private investigator who also doesn't really play by the rules, but is not nearly as, you know, ruthless as Cass, as Cass is. So as they're attempting to unlock information about the person Cass was supposed to extract, the people around this extraction and the confounding events surrounding her, uh, Cass ends up being let in on this search for answers about this conspiracy I mentioned before. But then complicating things is this affliction of hers where she's coerced into doing and thinking things that are totally out of character for her, Uh, which was why I was kind of surprised initially because I was like, well, she doesn't sound that ruthless, but then that turns out to be like part of the thing. Uh, So she's doing things like caring about the person she extracted and not assuming the worst about everyone around her. And this affliction is messing with her exceptional ability to predict and strategize and kill using math like she can figure out probabilities and angles and things like that that are really essential to her doing her job effectively and to her being able to like kind of stay out of the emotional spectrum of dealing with people and view them in a very analytical strategic way um so this is like the brainiest action thriller I've come across it's it has explosions and shootouts and people kicking down doors all of those things like if you're a diehard fan like I am oh, yeah. you probably appreciate this book um, but do note that if you don't like to imagine some really horrible gory scenes maybe you should skip this one there are some really 
uh, bloody scenes in it. That's all I'm going to say. So I would say if you're in the mood for really high intensity, fast paced sci-fi story, that's really heavy on anti-heroes. You should pick up Zero Sum Game by S.L. Huang. All of the cosign. Just all of it. All of it. That was one of my favorite (laughs) books that I read. I don't remember when I read it. It was probably a couple months ago at this point, but I really did love it. Yeah, it's not that new, but... No, well, it's interesting because she originally published them, I want to say independently or with a very small press, and then they've they're being reissued by Tor. Is it yeah, Tor? Yeah. Uh by by a big house. And and I believe they've done some edits and some work on them, uh, maybe a little bit of fine-tuning, but uh but yeah, they've been reissued. So the second and third books are due out not too long from now, I believe. I'm dying for the sequel. I just cannot wait. Oh, yeah, I probably should have mentioned that this is part of a series for those of you. (laughs) I mean, it's not a cliffhanger, I don't think, though. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's Um, it's more sort of a detente, if if we're going to call it anything. (laughs) That's a good word to use. Is that mysterious enough for (laughs) y'all? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, let's see. So, my sci-fi pick was... It took me forever to think of it, but then once I finally did, with a little help from the Book Riot contributor core, I was like, oh, it's perfect. It's Want by Cindy Pond, which is the first in a series, but comes to a very satisfying conclusion. No cliffhanger in this one. And it is a it takes place in a future, not that far, actually, uh, where everybody so air pollution has gotten really, really, really bad. And the rich wear these they're basically spacesuits, but for walking around a city uh, that protect them from the po- the pollution and the viruses and illness and dirt and all of that stuff. But if you're poor and you can't afford one, you die much earlier than you should later on, uh, or you should if you know you weren't inhaling all of these terrible chemicals and pollution and. And and there's just diseases and, you know, it, it's a really stratified society. And the book opens with our main character, Jason Joe, who is part of like a little ragtag found family. Some of them are thieves. Some of them are hackers. Some of them are just like regular kids, but they happen to all know each other for various reasons. And he is a thief. Uh, the book opens, I think, with him kidnapping a rich girl and holding her for ransom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find out what they want the ransom for as the plot unfolds. And they basically are going up against the corporation that manufactures the special suits because they find out that that corporation is blocking legislation that would enforce environmental standards and force the corporations creating all of this pollution to start cleaning up and to start funding medicine and, you know, taking responsibility and being held accountable for the damage that they have done to people and to the environment. But of course, you know, the corporations don't want this because then they would have to, you know, hack into their profits to do some good in the world. And so this ragtag band of teenagers goes up against this giant corporation. And so it does involve a long con. Uh, He goes undercover as a rich kid to try to infiltrate the corporation from that angle while his friends uh, come at it from different angles. And there's a girl and some like star-crossed lover stuff going on in there. 
And it is really fun. It's really interesting. I loved the characters. I find it a little unnerving in terms of a vision of the future because it feels so possible and so real. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this is too, this is a little too close to home for me, <laughs> but in the best possible way. And Cindy Pan, I really enjoy her writing. She's funny. She's smart. She does action well. And she manages to balance this sort of, you know, it is a YA novel, technically, and so it has a lot of feelings and angst and those, you know, YA star-crossed lover tropes, like I mentioned. But she does it in a really interesting way. None of her characters are one-dimensional. They're all really interesting. And I just loved them so much. And I loved the way that this plot unfolded. So I highly recommend it. And it is, like, um, if you've ever watched, I want to say Leverage, for example, like, you know, the team and we're going to steal ourselves a company like that kind of <laughs> that kind of vibe. I think <laughs> you'll enjoy the way this unfolds as well. So, again, that's Want by Cindy Pond. That sounds amazing. I love Cindy Pond as well. She's so good. All right. And that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have a theme idea or you want to weigh in on your favorite con artists or thieves or really whatever, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you would be so kind as to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it. It helps other folks to find the show, and we do love to see the feedback. You can find us online. I am on Twitter as Jen IRL, and I recently started a bookstagram under I am Jen IRL. I finally come to the bookstagram. I need to follow you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And you can find me as usual on Instagram at S-I-N-A-B-Williams. That's S-V-A-I-N-A-B-Williams. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.